Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Mooresville. You know, we're, we're living in some very interesting times. And uh, Holly's prayer just really shook me. Um, because we are living in... Um, a pivotal moment in world history. And I'm glad to see that our gals that were in Israel got out before the violence started in Israel. Uh, uh, they, I guess, left the night before the outbreak of... Just minutes before the hostilities began. And... Uh, you know, by the mercy of God, uh, they're back. But I still have people that I deeply care about, uh, close friends from uh, many decades um, uh, that are in bomb shelters and in safe rooms in their homes. Uh, one particular family that we've known for many years, they um, they live in an area on the top of the hill is an Israeli settlement, but that hill that used to be like a gun emplacement thing, there was, uh, it's surrounded by Arab neighborhoods, and they're kind of trapped up there in their safe room. So, Lord, I just pray for mercy and protection for Barry and Beth and Tali and our friends. Uh, you know, there's a... Um, Sometimes a great disparity between what we believe and what we see happening in the world around us. And um, this, is, this is always true. Um, the, there was a prophet in Israel, Habakkuk, and he questioned the Lord about this. Uh, theologians call the first chapter in the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk's complaint. Um, and I think that, that many of our hearts can relate to this cry from the prophet. Uh, when he said in, in Habakkuk, um, I, I didn't tell the people that I was going to do this. I didn't know it till this morning. Um, but that's pretty standard for me. Um, the, the Chaldeans were rising up and they were marching towards Judah and they were going to come and attack them. And so there was a lot of uh, angst and anxiety and fear in the hearts of the people. And um, this is the pronouncement which Habakkuk, the prophet, saw. How long, Lord, have I called for help? And you do not hear. I cry out to you violence, yet you do not save. Why do you make me see disaster and make me look at destruction? He saw the coming destruction. Sometimes the prophet doesn't actually want to see what the prophet sees. Yes, devastation and violence are before me. Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore, the law is ignored and justice is never upheld. 
Do you feel like there's a lot of injustice? That the justice system itself doesn't mete out its judgments fairly? For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out confused. There's nothing new under the sun. The things that we sense in our heart right now are the same things that Habakkuk sensed in his heart in his day because he also lived in a pivotal moment in history. Now, I'm not going to, to, to teach this morning from the prophet Habakkuk, but he, after he says this, he says, Okay, Lord, now I'm prepared. I know you're going to knock me down. I know you're going to rebuke me. Now, what do you have to say for making this complaint to the Lord? Sometimes you feel like you can't really be honest with the Lord and say, Lord, I'm seeing this stuff, but how is this true with all that you've promised us? And the Lord comes to Habakkuk to sum up the rest of the book. He says, Well, the reason you're feeling like that is because you're not looking at the end of the story. You're not seeing what I'm doing because the purposes and plans of God are eternal. And what I'm doing, you may not understand what is happening in your day, but I want to assure you that I am omnipotently in control. Of history. History, even our history, is still his story. Not only the history of the nation of Israel way back then was his story, he was revealing his heart and his plans for us. Our current history is still telling the story of the redemption of an almighty God. So turn with me, and I'm going to read a chapter from Corinthians. I think Corinthians is extremely applicable to what's going on in the United States today. I could probably talk for about six months about uh, what I see in relationship to what was going on in Corinth during New Testament times and what's going on in our nation today. And really all around the world. I mean, for the first time in history, all nations hear the same news on the same day. We're all, and you've heard me say this so much, it's ad infinitum or ad nauseum, whichever one you choose to relate to. Um, um, This is the first time in history that all nations have been shaken in the same shaker at the same time. So I believe that we are in a pivotal moment in history and the anxieties and the worries that are befalling the entire world at the same time are to serve the purposes of God. I believe that his glory shall be revealed. So I'm going to just read 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and I'm going to read the whole chapter. Uh, It's just 14 verses. Please do not fall asleep. But if you do fall asleep, please do not snore. 
And when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come as someone superior in speaking ability or wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I also was with you in weakness and fear and in great trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of mankind, but on the power of God. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the human heart. All that God has prepared for those who love them, love him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among people knows the thoughts of a person except the spirit of the person that is in him? So also the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we've not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. We also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. But the one who is spiritual discerns all things, yet he himself is discerned by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You know, the people that are going to the River Life School of Ministry probably get tired of me saying this. But you're just going to have to put up with it, Koji. Here we go again. They say that you don't really learn anything until you've heard it at least five times. But... The things we assume to be true before we begin to reason will determine our conclusions much more than the logic we use to arrive at that conclusion. You see what I'm saying? Do you find yourself looking at at the circumstances and the events going on in the world and you're thinking, 
Nobody in their right mind would believe that. Do you get do you, do you think you think that is so profoundly crazy? I can't even believe that they're not ashamed to say such a ridiculous thing in public. I mean, it's so contrary to everything that is true and right and reasonable, and it's being spewed forth as the doctrine of the day. You must believe these things. Well, there's a very simple biblical explanation for that. You've got the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit resides in you and there is almost a subliminal subconscious awareness of what is true and what is false. What is biblical and what is anti-biblical, anti-logical, anti-truth. Those things are on the rise in the world today because we're in a pivotal moment when the forces of darkness are enraging against the forces of light. Because history is being brought to a pivot point. And we're going to see that. We're going to see that in our lifetime. Things can't go on the way they are. Right now for very much longer without some sort of change coming about. You see what I'm saying? So let's go back and let's just, I want to examine some thoughts about this chapter and sort of just break it down in little chunks and talk about it, okay? Um, uh, Paul starts out um, this chapter and he says, And when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come as someone superior in speaking ability or wisdom, something I can relate to. As I proclaim to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You see, that, that one thing, if you understand why Jesus Christ was crucified, buried, and resurrected, and you receive him as the Lord of your heart, it changes something in you. The only way you can describe it is like, hey, I was born again. I was this way before, and I'm this way now. There is a transition that happens in everything about you. Jesus Christ truly is the pivot point for life and death, light and darkness, righteousness and dishonor. I also was with you in weakness and fear and in great trembling. You know, Paul, when when he first arrived in Corinth, had been through some pretty upsetting things. You know, they had, uh, Paul and Barnabas had gone on the first missionary trip and they had traveled around. They saw God do lots of things. And then um, he was getting ready to go on the second missionary trip. And uh, Paul and his other ministry friend, Barnabas, 
got into such a bad argument that they split up. Then he, so uh, Barnabas takes John Mark and they go off in one direction and Paul and Silas, they go off in another direction and they're trying to go to the province of Asia and Turkey and they can't, they don't know really why. They said the Holy Ghost prevented them. But um, some people think Paul got really sick and he couldn't continue in this direction, the other, whatever. And then they had that, uh, Paul had that vision, you know, about the Macedonian man and one thing or another, but he was trying to go somewhere and he couldn't get there. I felt that way on a lot of international flights lately. It's, I, I, I don't think I've had an on-time international flight in two years. Um, but, you know, it's like, then he goes, he winds up in, in Philippi, you know, and he's there and he's, he's being followed around by a demon-possessed woman, you know, and, and the, the demon-possessed woman was saying good things. Hey, these are servants of God. But the spirit from the woman even saying the right things irritated Paul so bad he cast the demon out of the woman, um, she was kind of like a fortune teller and her owner, she was a slave girl. And so they were making uh, money off of her. And so the owners of the slave girl who couldn't make them money anymore by being a, a soothsayer, they got mad at Paul. They got a crowd up. Paul got beat up. And then after he was beat up, he got thrown in prison. Now, we, we remember the story, you know, that in the middle of the night, the prison shook and all the prisoners were let free and the Philippian jail uh, got saved and his household and one thing or another. But Paul is, was bitten, beaten within an inch of his life and thrown in prison. And then when they get out, they have to flee town. He goes to the next town. You know, he goes to several other towns and, and each and every place they get into so much trouble, they have to run for their lives. Then, you know, so they finally wind up in Corinth. Um, and and uh, then the Lord really uh, speaks to him. They had been to Thessalonica, the Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, and everywhere he went, there was so much trouble, he had to get out of town quick. But he finally got to Corinth, and the Lord spoke to him in Acts 18, verses 9 and 10. It says, And the Lord said to Paul by vision at night, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many people in this city. And he settled there for a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Now, see, this is, this is, Paul really had been shaken. You know, I thought I was doing this for you, Lord. And everywhere he goes, he gets beat up and thrown out of town. It's kind of rough. Have you ever felt like that on the mission field, Paula? <laughs> like you're getting beat up and wondering why in the world did I, uh, what was I thinking? I'm telling you, if you go on the mission field, now, two weeks is different than two months on the mission field. And two months is different than two years on the mission field. 
You can put up with things for two months that you can't put up with for two years. And you can even put up with things for two years that you can't put up for 20. You know, there's a difference when it becomes your life rather than an adventurous excursion. There's a lot of difference in that kind of mission work. I shouldn't have taken that little field trip, but anyway, here we go. In 1 Corinthians, I'll keep going there. In 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4 and 8, 4 to 8, it says, And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of mankind, but on the power of God. Yet we do not speak wisdom among those who are yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I got kicked out of the first communion service I ever celebrated as a born-again Christian. Back in 1970, uh, when I came to the Lord, I may have been 71. Yeah, the, the, the communion service was 71. And um, we were celebrating uh, the Lord's Supper at the Lamb's Chapel. And it was the first time I'd ever, as a believer, had celebrated communion. And there was a visiting Armenian bishop, Tommy McCraw, remember him at least, uh, Samuel Doctorian was there, um, uh, and he was this very powerful guy from uh, Lebanese. He had an orphanage in Lebanon and everything, but a real powerful guy, and he read this passage right before celebrating communion, and it says, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood, for if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So it just occurred to me, Satan thought that he could kill Jesus and get rid of the Son of God. But what he did was he purchased my salvation. That's a joke. It struck me as so funny. Now, we had a wave in the 90s of laughter in church. Do you remember that when everybody was laughing in the church and one thing or another? You know, but it wasn't very popular in 1970. (laughs) But I thought the joke is on the devil. He thought he was killing the son of God and it looked really bad to the other apostles. You know what I'm saying? But what actually happened was we all got saved. Because Jesus, the Lamb of God, purchased the salvation for all eternity for all of mankind. 
You get it? The joke was on the devil because he did not know the end of the story. Let not your heart be troubled, church. He still knows the end of his story and he's still telling the story. Everything that we are going through today in this time and in this place, the Lord God Almighty is in control. Now, do I understand it all? No way. But if that was true back then, it's still true today. You see, this is one of the things that I assume to be true before I begin to interpret current events. I do not interpret current events in world history, no matter how they appear, with the thought that everything's going to hell in a handbasket, as Robert put it. No way. I am going to glory. I have a destiny in heaven. This earth shall be redeemed. All the nations will bow their knee before Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the culmination of all history. So we can be confident as we approach the future, as we interpret the day's events today, we must see the hand of God at work in all of the nations, and we are so intricately intertwined one nation with another today that we can be sure that we are much closer to that glorious day when Jesus will return than we have ever been before. Because that's what I assume to be true. Jesus Christ is the Lord of glory. And my destiny is with him. Just could it be that all the attacks of the enemy and the increase in demonic and diabolical influences that we see in society today is going to have the same effect on society that the crucifixion of Jesus Christ had? You think that is an eternal principle? I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that all things serve his purposes in the earth. The things our enemies will launch against us in the future may actually result in an unimaginable increase in the glory of God in this generation. I believe that things are getting so crazy that it's going to be like a wake-up call. (laughs) Oh, my God. All the stuff we're involved in on TikTok is just, it's just way over the top, out of line. I think the new generation is going to awaken out of the youth. I think we're going to see young people waking up thinking, I am being led down the primrose path to hell and I'm getting off of that path and I'm going somewhere else. Yeah. 
I believe that we're on the cusp of a revival because people are becoming so desperate, there's no solution. You can't name me a political person that you can rely on to be the solution for all of our problems. It's way beyond the influence of any candidate, no matter who you favor. We need some help up in here. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the earth like the earth has never seen before. Lord, come with your Holy Spirit. Inundate us with your anointing, Lord God. Open the eyes of the blind. Unstop the ears of the deaf. Lord, let it be a mass deliverance from deception. Let the kingdom of God be established right here, right now. Ephesians 6, verse 10, is a good starting point for us to be able to pray into the situation in which we find ourselves. You know, you've got to get your mind right. You've got to get your heart right. You've got to get your spirit right. The way to do that is to eat the word of God and digest it. Don't get your information from news sources. No matter which news source you want to rely on, they're all twisting things around for their own peculiar agendas. We must get our orientation to what is going on in the world around us from the most reliable source of information ever known to man, which is the Holy Scriptures. Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 14 says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Don't don't be deceived. Everything that's going on does not have its uh, origins in political parties or or the hearts and minds of men. There's something much deeper at work behind the scenes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, the same ones that thought they were winning when they nailed Jesus to the cross, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything to stand, stand firm, therefore. We have a solid platform to rely on. That even though we do not understand or like much of what's going on in the world around us or in our own families or even in my own heart, I can rely on the fact that the Holy Spirit of the living God is at work in my nation 
in the nations around the world and even inside of little old me. Lord, come and purify my heart. Come and cause me to think your thoughts. Cause me to have your hope. Cause me to have your compassion for those people that don't see what's happening to them. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 16 says this. It says, But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which has not entered the human heart, all that God has prepared for those that love him. What God has prepared for those that love him is much more than carnal man can imagine or believe. But God, it says, for to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. That hope that you have in your heart for righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is an impartation from him into your heart that most of the Well, the the unsaved world just doesn't have it. They hunger for it. But we've got it. He has imparted it to us. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. That hope that is back in the depths of your heart that seems to get squashed all the time. The hope is from the Lord. Rise above the circumstances around you. For who among people know the thoughts of a person except the spirit of that person that is in him? So also the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we've not received of the spirit of the world. I... Am no longer, of course, you know, being an old guy, it, it would be sort of pointless for me to hope to be cool and, you know, with what's currently going on. You think I'm cool? Well, I do too, Tony. I don't think I'm as cool as you and Sandy, but I'm trying. It says, We've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Hang on to those promises, church. We also speak these things. Let us speak those things that the Lord has revealed to us. Let us speak the hope that we have within us rather than the fear about where society is going. You know, nobody's ever edified by complainers. Nobody is ever edified by a bunch of whiners. Speak the things you believe. Speak the things you see in the spirit. Call them into being. We speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit. 
combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Lord, bathe us, deliver us from the trap cycles of the news and mass media, Lord God. Put our hope and our spirits and our tongues in line with you, Lord, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. A natural person doesn't accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. And he can't understand them because they're spiritually discerned. But the one who is spiritual discerns all things. Lord, I pray right now for a supernatural gift of discernment of spirits to come on this congregation, your people, Lord, that we would instantaneously, by supernatural revelation, be able to discern the difference between negativity and lies and hope and promise in your spirit. Make us kingdom people, for the kingdom of God is coming. Let us be heralds of the kingdom of God, not purveyors of depression. But the one who is spiritual discerns all things, yet he himself is discerned by no one. Don't worry about it if people don't get you. Because some people have turned their hearts away and don't want to hear the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. So help us know how to say the truth. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? And then I love the way this finishes up. Paul finishes this thing. says, but we have the mind of Christ. That is your inheritance. That is your inheritance, church. Your inheritance is to have clean thoughts and clean aspirations, kingdom thoughts and kingdom aspirations. You have a spotless inheritance. The mind of Christ is the promise of the Holy Spirit to each and every one of us. Wouldn't that be wonderful, Jeff? Lord, help these old guys. Have faith to do what looks at this point in time totally impossible. But I'm telling you, if you line up with the Lord, life is a tremendous adventure. But if you think the world is going to hell in a handbasket, you'll sit at home and worry. But I'd rather launch out and build a home for homeless widows. You know? There are a thousand preordained good works that God has foreordained that we should walk in. Our job is to to believe the Lord and to go find them. And do them to bring the the glory to the name of Jesus. Whether it's in Mongolia or Uganda or South Carolina. You know, wherever it is.
Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.